Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. And Brian, my day up until, I don't know, 30 minutes ago was pretty unexciting. Uh, but then we just watched this state of arena announcement. I locked myself in my office. You're going to make me talk about Unfinity. And this, this day just went to hell, man. Spiraled on you pretty quickly. And when you, when you say lock yourself into your office, you don't mean like you prepared to get ready and do this cast and kind of focus and locked in. Oh, you actually no. got locked in because your door broke and were trapped for quite a period of time. To be clear, my door has been broken for quite oh. some time. Okay. Uh, it's it's usually worked well enough to the point where I can get in and out. OK. Sometimes, you know, you got to finagle it a little bit. And this time it just kind of gave up and decided to not work at all. And I had to do some creative fixings to get out. But Well, I am happy to tell you that all of these struggles, they've been worth it. Because the moment that you and I have been waiting for, it, it's finally here. Cosmos Elixir is now a potentially almost not quite, but maybe in some alternate universe, playable standard card. And I know that's all we've really wanted out of life and existence. Thank and God. It just feels like we've come to the end of a journey that we've been on for some, I don't know, 20, 27, 28 years of magic now. But finally, Cosmos Elixirs, it, it now scries. So everything's everything's okay. Everything's right with the world. I used to be a, a very angry kid for a lot of reasons. Mostly Cosmos Elixir related, I'm assuming. Well, no, but we're getting there. Um, uh, over time, I learned better ways of, you know, dealing with that, actually releasing it, not letting it get all bottled up, just being able to let go a little bit more, not let things bother me as much, you know? Uh -huh. And the thing that makes me probably the angriest now is when people say either facetiously or not, just something about the world is healing. Okay. Because it's just like, it's not, asshole. <laughs> that's that's a weird one to get up very upset about. But I, it, I get where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. It just, it rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. You know, so it's like, yeah, the, the Cosmos Elixir thing. It's like, I know that somewhere someone is making that post and I'm, I'm preemptively pissed off. Uh, I kind of, like, I kind of want to be a good friend and support you, but I also kind of want to make the post now. So I'm I'm really torn here. That's I guess fun. It's fun. Twitter doesn't show me your posts anyway, man. Okay, yeah, so yeah. that's good. You won't notice. I won't see it. Y'all can tag me. I'm just not even. I don't even check Twitter that much. That's a lie. But I won't specifically for the next few days for this post. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, a lot of stuff to talk about. This is going to be a weird show because it's just like some news items, such as Jerry getting locked in his office mm -hmm. and uh, Unfinity, which I don't really have. A lot to talk about, except I think that oddly enough, this is one of the instances where I'm just like, people are caring too much about this. And I think it's just not a big deal. But uh, go ahead and give me the breakdown of all the stuff with Unfinity so that I can just tell you that it, none of it matters. Well, uh, OK, so I, I don't want to delve too deep into Unfinity because it's mostly outside of the space that we operate in. Our space is infinite, though. Let's be real. <laughs> okay. We are all-encompassing. Uh, we're like the Galactus of the Magic podcast space. But regardless, it is worth mentioning that for the first time, one of these unsets is going to appear 
in Black Border. And some of these cards are going to now be legal in Eternal formats. So that being Commander, which I, I think is the driver, the main driver of this decision. But it also means Legacy, and it means Vintage. But not all these cards are going to be legal. Only, only some. Uh, only some of the Unfinity cards will be legal. And you will differentiate which ones are and are not legal by a small foil acorn, which sits on the bottom center of the card. And if it has a small foil acorn, that means you do not have to worry about this card showing up in these eternal formats. Acorns are okay. Acorns are not okay. Wait, it's the other way around. It's the other way around. Oh, if you see an acorn, it's bad. Poisonous acorns. Call a judge. Call a judge if you see an acorn. You shouldn't be playing against that. Okay, hold on. The the one thing I will say about this is that it was rolled out kind of embarrassingly because I was on Twitter while this was happening and I was like seeing the news and the news feed and everything. And people were like, wait, so this pink bear card is legal? And then they're like, oh no, there there was a mistake. The pink bear card is not legal. (laughs) Pink bear does not appear to be legal. Uh, But the assumption is that if you're pulling from this unset, you're you're gonna see some weird stuff make the cut, and uh, it is just that's not true though, because they're just putting like a commander card in the unset that's like kind of quirky, but it's better to put it in this set so that this set actually sells versus just jamming everything in the next commander product. Okay, but co- commander at least until this point has had thematic resonance with the broader magic the gathering space and this is kind of the only point i want to make about all this i think ultimately i i don't care too much about this it's fine we can move forward with magic being like this but this is just like more universes beyond uh lord of the rings set warhammer cards just being integrated wholeheartedly into the game there is space family goblinson is now a legal magic card that you can play in eternal formats and uh it is so so are cards drawn by like phil and Folio, right like okay but th- i still would argue that they speak more to the magic the broader magic theme than something like the space family goblinson i don't know man all the goblin cards are kind of quirky not obviously this goes like a step beyond right but it's just it's not as big of a deal to me it it really doesn't matter no I agree with you. I'm not trying to paint it as like, this is the last straw and this is where they cross the line. It's just, we're going to continually push this line forward and forward and forward. And this will be a bigger thing. That is true. This is is not going to be the only instance of this happening. And it, it made me think about like my own perceptions of magic now and like how I see the game. And it made me think about a movie I really like. And I don't watch many movies these days. I used to be huge into movies uh, until my anxiety got so bad that I could no longer sit through an entire movie comfortably. And it's it's rare that I am in good enough form to be able to take in a whole movie at this point. But back in the day, one of my favorite movies was The Fifth Element. Are you familiar with this movie? I've seen it multiple times, but definitely not in its entirety in the last decade. Yeah, it's probably been a while for me, too. But like one of the things I really liked about The Fifth Element is that if you haven't seen it, it's worth watching, I believe. 
Uh, you think it holds up? I think well so. Enough? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, but it, it's it's sci-fi. But one of the things I really liked about The Fifth Element is that they did lots of really subtle things to just like show you the state of the world. They didn't try and hit you over the head with it. It was just like natural evolutions of the way our world is already proceeding where you go, oh, that makes sense when you get to this future state. And the, the like really subtle one that I always loved and thought it was so cool was that people in the movie still smoke cigarettes, but the, they smoke these cigarettes where like 80% of the cigarette is filter. And then there's this small little end of cigarette on the very tip of it. And, and that's what they smoke. Like government can't shut them down entirely. So they slowly make the filter. So they like bigger slowly and bigger. make the filter larger and larger and you get less and less of the thing you desire from the cigarette, I guess, you know, it's going to have less of a uh, drug deliverance and less of a uh, addiction fulfillment as it is this thing, but it's still there and you can't take it away from people and they're still going to have their cigarettes. And despite all these outside factors which have influenced this industry so dramatically and forced it to reform it's ultimately still a cigarette and that is how i feel about the way magic looks to me now is that your space is becoming smaller and smaller it's not even it's not even a space analogy it's just like it's so clear that the capitalistic pressures of society would shape the game in this fashion that if you made the fifth element and like people playing magic were a part of that movie i would expect them to be playing cards like the space family goblinson and chug jug and you know all these absurd things that make no sense but like yes it does actually make sense when you think about the factors that are pushing us in this direction yes uh i i think maybe the third or fourth time this happens and I really start feeling constricted or whatever, then maybe I'll, I'll take issue with it. But like it, it is kind of what you talked about with the fifth element where it's like, you see this stuff happening, you know, that eventually it's going to be that way. Right. And, and the cigarette it, filters weren't huge immediately, right? They probably got slightly bigger and slightly bigger and slightly bigger as time right, goes yeah, on yeah. until there's just this ridiculous thing. Yeah, so it's, dude, it's not the Space Family Goblinson's fault, you know? No, it is not. I and mean, we shouldn't blame the Space Family Goblinson. A charming card. I actually liked the original Lost in Space TV show when I was a, a young kid, so it's hard. And, and I think that's what this is a send-off of, right? Uh, yeah. Will, Will Robinson, that sort of thing? Will Robinson, yeah, but I guess, the, I guess there's also a send-off of Swiss the Family? Swiss Family Robinson, which I don't know anything about. I actually don't even know what that is. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so maybe we just have like our analogy, or I have my analogy totally wrong here. It doesn't matter. My point still stands. It's fine, but it's just another step in a very clear direction. Yeah, I think the conclusion that folks jumped to was that like, oh, all of these weird, you know, like cards that are not magic cards are going to be legal and commander. And first of all, who cares? You know, like there are plenty of people who want to put those cards into their decks and there are likely people playing with those cards right now because they talk to their friends and we're like hey is this cool if i play this deck and people are like yeah obviously right so it's like they're kind of already legal so i don't know what you're complaining about and this still isn't that this is yeah maybe the cards are a little bit goofier or whatever but ultimately they are cards that could just show up in a commander product for the most part it's like yeah this thing talks about rolling dice and we just had a D&D set so like yeah what the hell 
Oh, certainly from a mechanical standpoint, I don't have any objection to this stuff at all. Uh, it doesn't even cross my mind like, oh, they shouldn't make cards like this for that space. No, they absolutely should. Uh, it, it's more of a thematic thing. But, you know, you make good points as to how hard have we ever actually, uh, you know, st stuck to those lines of high fantasy and people bring up, you know, Arabian Nights and Frankenstein's monster and those type of examples all the time. So they're all good examples. They're all fair. Uh, but just things are going to twist harder and harder in that direction. And that should be obvious to anyone who's paying attention. Yep. I don't know. They, they haven't made a ton of these sets, right? This is the fourth or fifth one. I don't, I don't really uh, know. I think it's the fourth on set. Yeah. I think. And I mean, there, there was definitely a huge gap in between two and three. Mm -hmm. And now it seems like, okay, this is going to be a semi-regular thing. Clearly, this appeals to some amount of people. And one of the things that they did that I think is fairly clever to make it so people actually wanted this set, the set was desirable, was that the basic lands were always dope as hell. Yep. And that mostly follows suit in this set as well. But it's like... But they do that in every set now. Yeah, kind of. That's true. But because none of the other cards in these sets were very desirable, it meant that like the unhinged lands could become $8 cards because yeah. they were the only desirable things. So it's like they take up all the value. If people wanted to uh, buy this product once the novelty wore off, it was usually just because of the lands. And now this gives people another reason to want this product, which makes a lot of sense to me because... I don't know. You can't you can't just do it with basic lands, especially as you pointed out, they're just doing it in a lot of different sets. Yeah, I, I think that stock was running out for sure. And I, I I haven't closely tracked the unstable land prices, but I, I think they've trended down. Yeah, it's it's not great. It's it's still like, you know, two bucks each or whatever. Yeah, I've I, I so I have a bunch of the unstable lands. I kind of like decided those would be my default basics. And I think I paid more than that, if I recall correctly. So Well, uh, I, I have uh, probably like 10 of each that you can have of mine. Thanks. If you I need appreciate to that. increase your portfolio. No, I, I do because I'm going to be spending all my money on uh, alchemy cards now. So I appreciate you being right. able to help me out and getting some uh, paper cards. Okay, well, let's hands. talk about alchemy then. Sure. State, State of MTG Arena. New format. Alchemy, uh, digital only, card pool is standard, but making some changes to existing cards and also introducing some new digital only cards. So standard is not going anywhere on Arena. This is basically just a new offering where they can do like a fixed version of standard or a slightly more fun version of standard if you believe that the word perpetually it increases your enjoyment of gameplay. Uh, I don't, but you may continue. Same. No, I mean, that. that's about it. That's all I got. Okay. M my thoughts on this product are extremely complicated, I would say. Same. Because let me just give you like, if, if, if you would like me to assign a number grade to how much I like alchemy, I would have to give it a five, which is as close to the middle as I can really get. Uh, because there are really good, strong, smart concepts here that should lead to me being able to play games of standard that I will enjoy, 
because right now don't enjoy standard i i think it's dumpster fire and i think it has been for uh an extended period of time now it has been a long time since i've wanted to play standard since ravnica probably yes now do i think that is because more games than ever are being played of standard and people are just figuring things out quicker no that's a joke i do not I, I don't for a second. And that is something that uh, keeps getting like pushed as a reason why these things have to happen. I disagree. I just think mistakes have been made. You know, we talk a lot about our theory on mistakes. We don't begrudge mistakes. We understand how it's easy to make mistakes. But regardless, I just think they've been made a few times. And uh, we were getting closer to a world with fewer mistakes when we had the rotation of Eldraine. But ultimately, I don't think this standard delivered on it. I think the mistakes shown through and led to an oppressive and not very fun standard environment. So that being said, when you offer me a way to potentially play standard that fixes these mistakes, and that is going to be a one of the core parts of alchemy. If you don't know what it is, it's just going to be uh, you can basically redo power level of cards that are a little outlandish, and there's going to be some new cards using the digital only mechanics added. Um, at least on the the standard alchemy side. We'll talk more about historic later in the show. Uh, but as far as that as an idea, I love it. I want to play those games. I'm happy to have a deck building space where I can explore more stuff. I'm going to build a bunch of alchemy decks. I promise you, I already have things that interest me. And like the thought of playing the games is appealing to me 100%. But, and it's a big but, and it goes back to something that I've talked about again at length on this show is one of the problems with doing like hundreds and hundreds of these shows at this point is I feel like I just repeat myself all the time. 266 is the number we're on. 266 shows. That, that's a lot of shows. So if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you have heard me talk about shared experience and how important I believe shared experience to be to the magic community, to the game of magic, to just everything we do as content creators, like having that shared space and not having to hold yourself out as a, uh, you know, limited specialist or a, a best of one specialist. Not, not that there's anything wrong with doing those things. Like if that's what you love, that's cool. But it almost purposefully splits up the community into these different niches whereas we just want to talk about being a magic player and what that means and what you do as a magic player and that doesn't mean any one thing anymore and that's that's also kind of good but when you're doing it on like your spotlight stage like this is this this is your focus this is your your way to get this game into new people's hands and to bring new players in and it's just like it's not the same as actual magic. It never will be again. And are we splitting into groups that only care about actual standard and only care about alchemy? Uh, are people going to be interested in both simultaneously? Is there an appetite for content in the alchemy space? Like these are all questions we're going to have to answer. And I don't think what the magic community needs at this point is more fracturing. And I know I'm talking a lot, so I'm going to shut up in two seconds. But one more thing I have to mention when you're talking about adding alchemy to the mix is just general, like how often we're adding new formats at this point. Like if you go through Magic's history, it's been so rare that a new format would pop up. And that's why modern felt like, you know, earth shattering. And uh, still, even when we got to Pioneer, again, 
earth shattering. We would do special podcasts and everyone was over the moon and we started a new Twitter account just so we could retweet Pioneer Decklist because it seemed like such a big deal. Uh, but then shortly thereafter came Brawl and then shortly thereafter Historic and Standard Brawl. And now we've got Alchemy and it's like, this is only in the last, what? three years, four years that we've dumped all these new formats and we're already some of the ones we've created in this time period feel like an afterthought, specifically Pioneer very much feels like an afterthought. So you're further fracturing player base and I'm, I'm concerned again. I abstractly like the idea. I don't think I like the implementation. From the competitive player standpoint, things were certainly much easier when there was a PTQ season that lasted for three months and basically everyone had to engage in it one way or another. Not only easier, but more fun. I would go that far. Well, right, because everyone was engaged in the same thing, right? And it was like, okay, we're all going to talk about, think about, and play standard for the next three months. And if you're a person who was a gold level pro or whatever and you didn't have to play in the ptqs maybe you'd be helping your friends test or you'd be creating content or there'd be some grand prix or whatever it was like mostly the same for everyone and there was still always like a, a standard season a limited season extended or modern whatever and so there there was some variety there and that that caused problems on its own right like no one played extended or block constructed outside of the ptq season right and i think modern was kind of the turning point for this where it became so much more than just the ptq season where you know people started to have that be like their identity or brand as a magic player but i don't know looking looking at like the commander community you know it's like they they have normal commander and then there's like the the cedh stuff right Mm -hmm. but for the most part it's like if if you primarily play commander they have the thing that we used to have and i'm both like very happy for them and very envious because no matter what is going on it's like you're you're still all part of the same community and you're talking about the same things you're like focused on the same things basically all the time whereas for us it's like well I'm grinding modern on Magic Online. You're testing for this limited PTQ. This other person has this constructed Pro Tour coming up. And it's like, it used to be the the tie that bound us, right? It's like we have all these friends all over the country, all over the world. And maybe we didn't have similar backgrounds or, you know, my friends would be like married with kids or something. And I'm, you know, just single living by myself it's like we are clearly having very different life experiences but we always had magic to fall back on as a common thing but when that is fractured it's you suddenly just like start to lose those relationships and it sucks whereas the commander community i don't i don't think has that at least right now until you know maybe commander starts splitting off into different formats i guess like brawl is technically a thing too but i don't think that there's anyone who's like i only play brawl and like f everything else but yeah, I'm no, sure that nobody, person exists. Nobody lost their playgroup to Brawl, I don't think. Like, right. It didn't go that way. So yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting where you have this digital client. In theory, you should be able to make something work with the capabilities that you have, but rehashing standard and adding like perpetual to some random cards. It, it's just like you're making these cards as a one-off, not 
in the typical way that magic cards get created, where it's like part of a cohesive set design and feels like it actually belongs. It's just like all these cards kind of like feel fake and they are not, I don't know, it's not like it is, uh, there's one of these cards that was designed specifically with like Crimson Vow in mind or like, you know, they were talking about like, oh, we thought, you know, maybe this could like show up in this deck or, or that deck or whatever. They all have a lot of tribal stuff attached to them or whatever. But then there's just stuff like the Gitrog thing where it's like, what the hell is this? This is just a, like a card that someone made up and it's like, well, you can play with this if you want, but it doesn't feel like it is part of that standard format. And also the problems with standard aren't necessarily just, oh, Al Rune's Epiphany is busted or whatever. It's like, no, the, the, the play patterns of the games just kind of suck too. So you make these slight nerfs to the cards that look maybe not like the most elegant things in the universe, but... Uh, they should do the job to bring those cards more in line with everything else. So I don't think that that necessarily even fixes the standard format, which sucks. Yeah, let's let's go a little bit deeper into the rebalancing stuff. That's the part okay. I would like to focus on for the Is, moment. Seekus Chariot uh, makes a cat instead of two and has crew two instead of crew four. Yeah. Are you going to do them all or you want to go one at a time? I was just going to do one at a time. Okay. Let me Let me first... Give my my big problem with the idea of rebalancing. When you choose to rebalance these cards, to the extent that like you think it's worth it to make an entire format where you have the space to do this, despite all the fracturing it's going to cause, because you know we emphasize very clearly the people who work at Wizards are not foolish. They understand this idea we're speaking about. They know the commonality thing, and so then when they make decisions like this, they consider these points and ultimately they fall on one side of it and they go well it's worth the impact commonality to be able to do stuff like rebalance a Sika's chariot but when you choose to rebalance these cards and are willing to take that on you're just admitting there's a problem aren't you like by default by saying this is something it's worth rebalancing you're saying something's wrong here so why would you continue to just subject the rest of standard to these cards? If you believe there's such incentives to reform them, why wouldn't you just get rid of them? Especially in the case of cards like Alrin's Epiphany, Asika's Chariot, cards which I think there was a very good case to be made for their banning previously and like generally had public support behind the idea of banning them. Maybe it was split, maybe it was 50-50, or maybe it's it was worse than that. And only my bubble made it seem yeah. like it was a good idea to get rid of these things. I that's, mean, that's possible. There, You see public support for them, right? But you don't necessarily... You don't see the backlash. Yeah, you don't see the impact it has when you actually do make those bans because Arena is far bigger than just our bubble. Yep. And even... I don't know, just like going through the the tweet announcement of this state of arena thing. It's like there there were countless people in there that like, you know, for example, did not follow me. Right. Mm -hmm. And. I don't know, I, th I think that's just like the norm. I think that that our bubble is not even 50 percent of the player base. Right. Of so, course. of course. You know, the, the people that we interact with might be like, yes, you know, it's it's healthy and this is at the end of the day, like not that detrimental to my experience or to my wallet and doesn't necessarily impact how likely I am to spend in the future or whatever. But it's like, you know, that there are people out there who have chariot maybe in, you know, their tier one deck or maybe in their like bronze two deck. Right. Yeah. But like 
it is going to impact them differently than it impacts us. No, I'll concede that point. That is that is fair. Uh, that that but, said, I yeah, just you know, Alan's epiphany for for sure. Just like ban it, whatever. Yeah, and, and I also think like players, given everything we just went through over the past you know two years, players have kind of already paid that cost, and if they're still here, they're willing to play it again. And, and they're willing to pay it rather than just sit through another year of a garbage standard that nobody wants to play, which is how I perceive standard presently. So Yeah, but I'm not sure that everyone necessarily perceives it that way. We'll see. We'll see. I, I don't know. Th- I honestly don't know the answer to that. I, I can only guess. But still. there's there's an set championship this weekend, and yeah. I'm sure that the folks who have been quiet are definitely going to come out of the woodwork talking about how terrible the standard games looked or whatever. Right. Like you're going to see that this weekend. You would think so. But as far as general community consensus, I have not seen a lot of like standards is unplayable type of stuff. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I, again, uh, it's always going to be shaped by like who you're inter who you're interacting with, how you're interacting with them. So uh, we can throw aside that anecdotal evidence. What do you think about my point though, where like it is a concession that there's something wrong with these cards when you go, we need to rebalance them and we're willing to create a new format just to do it. Well, there's a cost of banning stuff. We we've established that. And we've also established that we don't know necessarily how large the impact is. I definitely agree that after a year of, Eldrain type of stuff. It's just like there, there's a much higher cost to the first banning than there is to the tenth one. Uh-huh. So I I think that it's just, you know, it should be something that people are used to at this point. But just because there is an issue where you're like, oh, I would I would tweak this card slightly if given the chance, versus like, would I ban it? I don't know. And for a lot of these cards, it seems pretty close to me. You know, like Goldspan Dragon is good. It is above rate, certainly in comparison to a lot of the other cards that are standard legal. But like, is it is it is it busted? Is it dominating? Like, no, it's not. But would I tweak it if given the chance? Yes. Would I make an entirely new format <laughs> just to like test that out? Mm, probably not. But a lot of the cards that we were previewed were like rares and mythics and like people yeah. seem to like them outside of the people who were like, you know, digital only stuff is silly and don't do this ever. Here's another question that stems from the, just the broader act of rebalancing again, before we get into the specific cards. So you, you've worked at Wizards of the Coast. You've, you've made the magic cards before. Yeah. You know for, si- like. for six months, end of 2013, beginning of 2014. So long time ago, things have changed. Philosophies have changed. Of so. course, of course. So I, I'm going to ask you this just based on like your personal expectation. And this isn't saying what's going to go on, how it affects anyone who's who's there presently. It's just like put yourself back working at Wizards and you're designing cards now. And this safety valve is there. How does that affect your approach to design? Do you think it leads you towards like taking these risks, taking these larks and you know, allowing yourself to make a mistake like, uh, you know, having Alvin's Epiphany be able to just chain out of nowhere, make a bunch of birds and end the game solely by itself. Maybe. I mean, like, you see what I'm saying? There's the incentive to get it right is reduced if you have this safety valve. It depends on what public perception is for alchemy. Like if they if they do enjoy it and, you know, standard is still thriving, doing fairly well, then 
yeah, it seems like you're not paying like a very big cost to just be like, well, you know, should we like actually test and tweak this thing to figure out if it should be like five mana or six mana or four toughness or five toughness or whatever. It's like, I think you can be a little bit more lax about it, but like, I mean, Hearthstone had that system in place already where they knew that they were going to be able to adjust cards as needed, but it was still a big deal when they had to do it. And it seems like it's it's less of a case now. It just seems like I, I don't follow Hearthstone, but it does seem like at least recently they've had a lot of uh, alterations, adjustments to their cards, like nerfs yeah. to things specifically. So I don't know. I, I do feel like the, it, it could incentivize that or like not incentivize the right behavior, but it it's so hard to say, man. One more time, I'll ask you to like go back and be working at Wizards. And this is this is probably not a question for like Grunt Jerry, who's just making the magic cards. This is probably more of a question for someone who has to actually deal with the reality of resources. It seems like this is a whole nother can of worms, basically. Like it, when you add 60 cards to a format, especially ones that are by their own definition designed to impact the format, that's big, like like real big. And you're creating a lot of work in understanding this format and managing this format. And granted, the stakes are a little bit lower because you can just hit the edit button. Yeah. So th this is the instance where I think the the compelling need to get it right just doesn't apply. Yeah. Right. And it's like, obviously, they're going to try and get it as close as possible. Like, I, I don't think that they wanted to nerf any of the stuff from Jumpstart or anything. It's just like, it's a thing that happened, you know, and they probably learned from that process and it's standard instead of historic. So it's a smaller card pool. Uh, so I think it's more likely that they get things right than not. But I mean, yeah, 60 cards. I wouldn't be shocked if you had to adjust some of these, but they, they've also been willing to like buff cards, not just nerf them too. So yep, you, you have right. that going for you. We are looking at both those things here. Okay. I, I think now I have gotten the broader topic of rebalancing out of the way. If you want to talk individual cards, I'm down to do that. I will say that and maybe this has nothing to do with anything, but as far as making standard a playable format with churn, it needs more good cards, less outliers as far as things like Goldspan Dragon, Asika's Chariot, Alrun's Epiphany that are just far and away better than the other stuff. Like you need to flatten the power level and you need to make it so that there are incentives to play different strategies and you need to have answer cards, things that are not necessarily like hard targeted, but like, I, I don't know. I, I think like the move towards removal spells, like vanishing verse, infernal grasp type of stuff that are just like good against a wider base of things just kind of, helps cover your bases for if there is ever a problem. Mm -hmm. And that is what I would want to be shooting for were I back at Wizards, not just like, oh, do I think I'm going to get lax, like designing Goldspan Dragon? Am I going to test it as rigorously as I would before? It's like, I, I, I would purposely be focused on making sure that there's like more stuff to do. And, and that's basically it. And because it once once you're at that point, it doesn't matter if Epiphany like, makes two birds or no birds or chariot makes two cats or whatever. It's just like, well, hopefully there are things in place to, well, maybe you just play this other deck that's good against this general strategy. Yep. So, so I agree with you entirely. I just think my approach would be different. My approach is less like, Oh, try and find 
the outliers and bring them back in line. Not to say you shouldn't do that. Like, obviously, that's a good goal. No, you, you should. You should be doing that for sure. But yeah. I don't my, know. I mean, my main concern, though, is managing the polls, managing how yeah. big things can get and yep. how fast things can get. And that would always, always, always be my focus where I in charge of magic design is managing the polls. No, I agree with that. I, th- I just think that I could do both. Okay. You know, and maybe maybe not to a satisfactory level, but like that's why you have coworkers as well. And I, I definitely would not want to be like, oh, well, here's a bunch of stuff, but, you know, Epiphany still just like goes over the top and beats them all. Hopefully you get to catch that as well because yeah. you, you, or at least like you have sufficient answers for things. Like this is the first standard format where I've noticed the lack of a cranial extraction type of card, right? And it would be so helpful. And we just yeah. don't have it for whatever reason. It's so weird. It's very strange. Um, okay. Asika's Chariot makes one cat now. Makes one cat and it crews for two. So no matter what, the chariot makes the thing that can crew it. I I will say I appreciate that they went quasi sideways on this card. They didn't just nerf yeah. it into the ground. Yeah, you're not just like, oh, add a mana or whatever. Yep. yep. So I, I really like that. I really like that that's the approach they took towards balancing this card uh, as far as how good this is. I think it's probably still pretty good but it's good in a different way and it's more traditionally what like a vehicle would do and that's great i think that's a, a better place for a seeker's chariot and uh, a more interesting place for a seeker's chariot so i i like i like this one i know you weren't crazy about it but I, i'm i'm pretty into this particular alteration it's it's definitely interesting it's just like there there are so many different things that that you could do with it right there are there are a lot of words on it a lot of knobs that you could potentially turn Mm-hmm. And I think that it saw play a lot of the reason because it was like very explosive. It just gave you like a bunch of stuff immediately. And that that's kind of the problem with it too. So I don't know. Uh, I, I feel like this is still like f- fairly weak and not as weak as adding a mana to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It it probably still sees some play, right? Which should be the goal. And yeah. I don't know. Obviously, like Twitch chat is a cesspool or whatever. But I was I was reading like all the Twitch chat comments. It was going pretty fast, so I didn't see them all, right? But like one of them was like, "Well, these cards are still going to see play. So what's the point?" It's like, no, that is the point. Yes. It's like That's the goal. If if you make this nerf to chariot and it sees the same amount of play, beautiful. That's all you want to do. You want to get the card so that it is appealing enough to play. You don't want to actually destroy it. And I think uh, Goldspan Dragon is the best example of this, where it's the exact same card, except you don't get a treasure when it gets targeted by a spell. So it means like they play it, you just get to kill it cleanly. They don't get an advantage from it. And I think that that is that's the nerf. That like that is the thing that actually helps bring it in line with everything else. I think that destroys it. That's so funny <laughs> that we had the opposite reaction to that. I mean, like, it's going to take some time before I, I say this with confidence, but I still think like a five mana creature without with potential for not having immediate return, I still don't think that works in the current standard paradigm. Uh, and this just will die to removal spell sometimes, not to be Doomblade guy, um, but... Where, where there's no it's, chance of return in some scenarios, it, it's a vastly different card. Could still have a purpose, but it, this one feels like the legs were cut out of it 
even more than chariots legs were cut out to me. It's different when it has haste. It, it is. It is. And that could matter. And, you know, uh, I, if this card sees play, it sees so in a much more fun, exciting way, like thinking about this in like John Treasures, which is a deck I've spent a lot of time building around and like, you know, Kalein into Orcus type stuff that I was doing. Like, this is a card that still has a really nice function there that doesn't just steamroll over standard and feel oppressive to play against. So uh, I, I appreciate, again, this change, but it, it, it does feel like more of like cutting out the legs to me than the change to Chariot. No, I, th I think that this card is beautiful now. Okay. It's, it is weird, too. We didn't really talk about this, where you're making adjustments to these cards that are basically just nerfs. And you're also adding 60 cards to the format, where it's like, are these cards going to make it so that the like, Goldspan Dragon doesn't need a nerf? Like, that's kind of weird to me, too. Yeah, that's a good question. But this, sure. the stuff that they previewed wasn't like, oh, this is obviously like a really good card. So I, no, I, I don't think that's the case, but it is interesting. And from an optics perspective, I think it's still a good idea to like take a shot at these cards to be like, you need to make this this format appealing. It needs to offer something and it needs to offer reprieve from these cards that nobody wants to play against. So, you know, I'd, I'd rather go too far than not far enough in this instance. Yeah, I agree. And you can always change it back or make it something different or whatever. So. Who cares? So, Alden's Epiphany. You want to talk about this one? Uh, seven mana still to cast. Yeah. Now is seven mana to foretell. So, plus a mana there. And you only get the birds if you foretell it. Is that accurate? This is all from memory. This is correct. Uh, this, this gets what I am terming the ham-fisted award. For, so, for the redos this is designed to accomplish a very specific thing it does it but you could tell exactly what is influencing this change yeah so if you if you foretell it and copy with iteration the iteration copy does not give you the bird so it's like correct it's an even harder nerf than it might appear to be at first glance not only does it like completely destroy the foretell mechanic just in general where foretell was always like spend some mana now get it cheaper later kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I almost like this implementation of the foretelling mechanic better, honestly. Right. But it has nothing to do with foretelling. Fair. Yeah. Right. It's like, you're just, you're paying a kicker up front. Yeah. Everything's so, kicker. I know, but I'm, I'm as far as like what the mechanic was, it is just very different, but that's why it's so ham fisted. Right. Now there, there were foretell spells that functioned in this manner though. Weren't there that had like, increased abilities after you foretell them. i'm thinking of like some kind of patriarch's bidding analog that did something along these lines with foretell do you know what i'm talking about i can think of the art on the card it was like five bb black card yeah yeah uh mm. I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna look up uh call time cards yeah do that because i am i am curious how that card works I, in my head it buffs from foretelling or it only functions like what when it comes from foretell so i'm curious if it actually is that way and I don't remember if the mana cost was more for Fertel or the same or exactly how it broke down. Yeah, Haunting Voyage was six to cast, seven to foretell. Uh, it, you choose a creature type return to. If you foretold it, you return all. So yeah, I guess right. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I, I like the, that implementation. I mean, like I said, I, I do think this is like a very ham-fisted approach to address a specific problem, but a, a necessary one. And like... I trust me, I, I am not going to shed a tear for Alrin's Epiphany and 
uh, iteration not working anymore. That no. is completely fine and glad we have made that change. This is this is kind of like one of those things where you have you ban Stoneforge Mystic, but since they had the Stoneforge Mystic pre-con, they're like, oh, you can, <laughs> you can still play Stoneforge the deck. And the, like now it's like, all right, you can have Epiphany, but you just can't iteration it. Yeah. Well. I mean, like the, the thing is, though, is like you still can, right? Like you're still getting an extra turn and people played an alchemist gambit or whatever that card is called it's like a fifth epiphany and yeah. like some of the earlier versions well it's like you said though i mean if this is still playable good it just has to be healthily playable i mean that's good in the context of like goldspan dragon it's, <laughs> but it's not so much time walks yeah not in time walks yeah. because the problem is usually the time walk not necessarily how you go about killing them yeah so yeah, very true. when when time walk is doing the thing where it makes like all black mid range decks unplayable, it's still going to do that. It doesn't matter if you get the bridge or not. But whatever, yeah. whatever. I I think this is one of the instances where uh, you know Epiphany should have been banned, and Goldspan and Chariot can stay. But we're gonna like look at them very meanly, you know, <laughs> just glare angrily at yeah. them. Yeah. Okay, it's acceptable. That's like Chain Whirler. Maybe Chain Whirler should have been banned too. I don't know. But this is like one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's it's kind of annoying, but it's like Kurt Ape level of embarrassment if it's on the ban list, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Uh, Yeah, what else? Oh, Faceless Haven. Faceless Haven's a 3-3 three, three uh, now. Yep, yep. That one I think is fine. Sure, but, I'm cool with that. Uh, so... The way that they described the impact that some of these cards would have in, in terms of the nerfs, I thought was really good and really smart and was basically just like in line with my views where Faceless Haven tends to close games like a little bit too quickly. And like they also nerfed Luminar Gasparin to be end of turn instead of beginning of combat. Yep. Uh, which that one's a little bit more suspect to me, but like, I agree that Faceless Haven hits just like a little bit too hard, you know? So I, I, I'm i fine with that just in theory, but I also don't think that, you know, nerfing the mono-colored X is like that big. I like it. I think it's a good move. I, I think it's, again, about managing poles and uh, giving the mono-colored decks access to four threes in their mana bases uh it changed the games you could play for sure and i i am happy to see this brought down a peg uh so one of the other cards is omnath which is going to be unbanned in uh so like the omnath is going to be legal in historic as is right but like the gold span dragon is going to be normal nope no, that nope. one that one's also changed. His, oh, historic yeah, because, because historic and is a live format. Don't say that. That's it's a live format, Jerry. What's wrong? You don't like it being called a live and, format? As opposed to paper, which is a what format, Brian? It's a live format. It's in real life. Yeah, I would have chosen a different name. But yeah. that's what they're calling it. A live format, meaning okay. that cards so, can change. Uh so any of these changes that happen are going to be effective in historic as well. Uh, I don't know if we want to bridge to this discussion now. No, we, we don't have to. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Okay. We'll have more to say about Historic in a bit then. Uh, so Omnath is different. It is garbage. No one will play it. Do, yes. I, have to, do I have to actually describe what it does? No, nah, it, it added a colorless mana and it scries instead of draws. That's a good enough 
uh, summation. And I, yeah, I, I don't like this change. I don't think it accomplishes anything. It, Omnath is not suddenly an interesting card with these changes. It's not fun. It either is unplayable or is still terrible to play against. And I would have just left this one as it stood. There's something to be said for like, oh, we we cleaned up, you know, there are no banned cards in alchemy or whatever. And it's like, sure, whatever. For now. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess that will always be the case, right? You would always know if you would, you would never ban something unless it was just like, I don't know. I don't know the theoretical world where something gets banned from the alchemy format as opposed to just altered in some way. Yeah, but Historic still has a massive ban list, even though they just did the event where they basically tried this with like Oko, Teferi, etc. And they said that there are no immediate plans to release those cards in Historic. I think that they will eventually. Seems like it. Seems like they're setting up for it, for sure. Hey, it, it puts more uh, wild cards on the table they could potentially get if those cards are playable. So why not? Yeah. Uh, other cards that I suppose are buffs. Demulich got an extra toughness. Uh, Wizard class and Druid class, their level three got reduced by two mana. Cosmos Elixir now has like a scry one attached to it. I, I don't know, man. Whatever. Uh, uh, I, I just, I, it's fine. I just can't believe that like this was something that time was spent on is basically where I come to with this. I mean, I get, I get what they were going for, right? So the, the Cosmos Elixir thing specifically was like, this is a card that is widely played and widely crafted and has a very poor win rate. And they wanted to, to buff it a little bit. And it's like, well, yeah, but if, you're if, not you're not buffing the players who are crafting it. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a certain class of player that's choosing to make a Cosmos Elixir. Right. So you are buffing it. They're not going to notice the buff. It's not going to help them necessarily win more. And they're going to craft it and play with it anyway and probably have fun with it. Yes. So whatever. I think it's kind of a worthless goal. I mean, I, I get it, but I, I don't think it's actually a needle mover. And I would just do other things basically. yeah yeah also the buff is just like very weak so i don't really get it but one it's, that also is uh better leveraged by a good player who will scribe properly i mean you could make that case too so like if you're trying to buff a card for players who aren't winning all that much you maybe don't want to add more choice elements to it yeah that's fair uh so it says for a full list as, as well as more details on rebalancing philosophy and why these Cards and changes were selected. See Donald Smith's article, and I clicked on the link, and it didn't work. So, okay, good effort, though. It just brought me to the homepage. I was I was gonna try and get more information for y'all, but it it didn't matter. Uh, was was that everything? That like was all. That was all the rebalancing. I think uh, what we have not yet touched on are some of the new cards, which are going to be showing up in this format. Yeah. So. How are we handling this? Are we talking about all these cards? Because they're all... No. Let's let's wait. We'll do, when we get a full list, we'll do a full show. Okay. Uh, let's, we can just talk about the idea of adding this card. And if, you, if there's one that's particularly interesting to you that you do want to talk about right now, whether it be one you like or dislike, that is fine with me. I'm just kind of mad at all these cards. I kind of hate all these cards. Okay. So, so no happiness to be found. I will no. I will. Cards. I will happily talk about any of these cards that I dislike. 
you had a very strong reaction to the red haze creature. So why don't you talk about that's only because it was the first one that showed me. I have a strong reaction to all of these. Trust me. So okay. uh, red haze creature, two R three three creature human warrior haste. When this attacks, conjure four cards named Lightning Bolt into your library, then shuffle. So after your your three drop. You're adding a bunch of lightning bolts to your deck. And lightning bolt is a fun, iconic magic card, which people will be very excited to cast, right? It's adding a bunch of cards to your deck that dilute your deck. Like. But it's lightning bolt, Gerald. It, one of the, it is lightning one of the bolt. best burn spells ever made. Lightning bolt is not the card that I want to draw on like turn five. And, you know, ooh, spend my one mana and have my four mana left over. Like, that's that's not good. Packing your deck full of lightning bolts isn't actually good unless your deck is just 40 lightning bolts and 20 mountains. You know what I mean? And I, I do know what you mean. I swear to God, this could have been a fever dream, but uh, there, there was a Hearthstone card that I tried to look up and failed, but it was like a one or two mana creature that shuffled some wild Nicottles into your deck that had ETB draw card. And that is a thing that you want to be shuffling into your deck. You want to be shuffling powerful cards in your deck, things that are like better on average than the things that you can draw. And like, yeah, Lightning Bolt's better than a Shock, but like, it's not the thing that you want to draw on turn five. Whereas when you drew like this one mana three, three, again, unless I'm making this all up, it, it felt very good because you just immediately got a card back. There was very little downside to like shuffling this into your deck. And it was... I mean, maybe maybe Hearthstone is different now, but like at that point, you're like playing a one mana three three uh, on turn five or whatever. In addition to something else, like that's a big deal, or it was a big deal. Maybe it's not so much anymore. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad that you're bringing up Hearthstone now because I want to get your opinion on. I mean, they they literally just they stole Discover as mechanics. they stole a lot of mechanics, and so, uh, you know, or, or, you know, if you want to put it. In a less inflammatory way, they were inspired by a lot of the stuff Hearthstone was doing very clearly. And that's that's how, but look, that's how game design works. If someone does something interesting, you kind of parrot it. It's literally Discover. It's not different in any way. They're like, here's this set list of like 10 to 12 cards or whatever. Aren't mana crystals called mana crystals in Hearthstone? I mean, yeah. Okay, so, you know, they have a little debt to pay as well. I don't think it's completely unfair for Magic to go ahead and take some stuff back from them. I agree with you. Okay. But anyway, my point is that a lot of criticism you saw in the chat, and again, not to quote chat as any kind of reliable source or well-reasoned take, but uh, the chat was extremely negative when this set was being announced. And a lot of it was just, LOL, we're Hearthstone now, you know, or I left Hearthstone for a better game and now you're forcing me to play Hearthstone. I mean, what do you what do you make of those criticisms? Like, obviously, a lot of these all digital mechanics are being heavily inspired by the Hearthstone space. Uh, Hearthstone is a game which sort of crushed Magic's digital offerings for a long time. I'm assuming still crushes their digital offerings. I, I don't have any data to support that short of like Twitch viewership and uh, numbers I've heard in the past, but it, it seems like it's still a bigger player in the space than Magic Arena is, though certainly the gap has closed. I don't know. Which, I bet I bet Arena makes more money than Hearthstone now. Well, that's a whole other question because the two economies are very, very different. Right. I think Magic makes more money because they're more predatory. Yeah, I, I could buy that. 
Um, but I don't I don't know either way. It's just a question of what what do you think of Magic taking these steps to be more digital, to try and capture Hearthstone's audience or try and if it's not directly caps, capture Hearthstone's audience, it's to capture the things that Hearthstone did well that ultimately led to more players finding that game than players finding Magic. I think a lot of people found Hearthstone because they could play it while they were pooping and because mm. they played World of Warcraft. Never, ever deny poop equity. It's huge. It is huge. Uh, so I don't know. It's also weird to be like, oh, Hearthstone players, come play Magic because we literally just stole all your mechanics. It's like, no, nah, you got to do something better than them. And A, this is not better. B, if you are a uh, bro who is pissed that it is Hearthstone, opt out. You don't have to play this format. Just keep doing what you're doing. This is this is extra. This is new. This is in addition to all the stuff that you were already doing with Magic. So maybe that's not entirely fair because, you know, some of the qualifiers of this format and whatever, but also a lot of these cards look pretty bad. So you probably won't have to play with or against them. So who cares? Possibly true. Uh, I, I think it's weird because on a personal level, this doesn't actually affect anyone. It's, it's like impossible for it to affect you because you can just opt out. Uh, with the kind of exception of historic, but I, I think that's mostly okay. It, it's kind of like a niche corner case type deal. Um, well, yeah, that's the other thing. It's like this already happened with historic. Yeah, yeah, it did. And so if you're still here, you you weren't that pissed off the last time, and you stuck around for it. So yeah. And how how often do those cards show up? It's like I play against the Merfolk every once in a while. But yeah, I, Merfolk's pretty good. Uh, the I think one perpetual removal spell kind of messed things up for a while and then it was changed and I think don't see one, any of those anymore. I think one person is playing Merfolk in the Innistrad thing this weekend. Okay, they're going to get clowned by uh, green black food. But, but besides that point, I, I on a person to person basis, n- nobody should be all that upset about this. It's just more options. And it's an option that I'm personally grateful to have uh, when you're thinking more about like the trajectory of the game, the shared experience stuff that you and I like to talk about a lot. It gets more troubling. I just think like from a personal standpoint, I need to let that shit go. Like I don't work at Wizards. So why am I constantly giving them my mental labor as I try to answer these questions of, is this good long-term? You know, what does this do to the community? How does... How does all this impact uh, the bottom line? It's like, I I just need to start looking at these things in terms of like how it personally affects my engagement with the game. And I think personally, this is going to be a net positive for me. We are talking heads with a platform. And I think that people expect us to chime in on these things, maybe with expected outrage. But For me, for the most part, it's like, yeah, this is not how I would do things. This is not how I would encourage you to do things. Uh, I I think exploring the digital space is good. I would probably try and do it with a game that is not Magic or in like a PvE format or -hmm. something. And certainly if I was going to be like, oh, let's put some cards in Historic or let's make a new standard format, this is not how the cards would look. Where it's like, these are borderline, will they ever see play? You know, like I, if I was going to make them, I would want to make them be like the most exciting thing to try and get everyone to buy in. And yeah. that's that's not what these cards do. So it's it's like pretty miss for me. But at the same time, like any sort of new content is interesting to me because right. I'm going to engage with it 
to some degree, no matter what, maybe it's just like, oh, it gives me something to think about. And like, that's good enough. No, same, same from my angle. Uh, you mentioned like it, it appears this is going to be a part of the digital competitive space. Uh, the arena open next month is going to be this format. There is a set championship, I believe that's going to use, or no, maybe a qualifier weekend, next qualifier weekend. Yeah. I mean, I would not be surprised if a set championship used this because they're one of the better promotional tools to, you know, get people interested in this. And like there, there's, I think nothing better than, I mean, they, they kind of, they kind of blow this by not getting people interested in coverage, but like you get people interested in coverage, you have them watch that because of the players of the format or whatever. And then someone sees someone playing a deck and they want to then play that deck. And then they That's what go, it was always about back in the day. Right. And I mean, if you don't get people, if you don't tell people that worlds is happening, for example, uh, then they're never going to know about coverage, and then you're never going to have that as like a driving factor. Instead, your players are just going to be like, "I'm mad that I'm playing this fake format instead of something else." But you know, whatever. In 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 an ideal world, it could be a good factor for like, for example, the first modern tournament to be a pro tour, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Uh, it should be exciting and fun, and uh, potentially a a more balanced world because you can make adjustments and not have to worry about you know cost to players wallets and i'm interested to see what they do with this i think it is a idea with a lot of potential it just comes at a time where like i'm a little overwhelmed and i'm i was kind of looking for like maybe a more congealing effect on the magic player experience than something which further fractures us i think what we really need is something that kind of ties us back together at this point and this is a step in the opposite direction if anything which like my first response to this and i want to get your opinion on this too if this idea came with the announcement that paper standard just like wasn't a thing anymore i think i would just be down. like I, I think if they just act standard i would be more excited about this change than the way it's presented now is there anything to that like just filtering out some of the noise and <laughs> focusing everything and then just, just letting like modern be your paper format or, or pioneer. Like we keep talking about how mismanaged and unsupported pioneer is like, that could be the paper buy-in that everyone's into. And it makes sense there because it's not mirrored on arena. And there's a reason for these experiences to be separate at that point. That would be kind of tight. I, I would be completely fine with that. I don't know how much standard actually drives booster pack sales or anything i don't think any of us do at this point like we've been told so many times that it's like oh competitive play doesn't matter the commander does 90 percent of the sales everything's coming from walmart and target so that all points to me that these like standard fnms these standard local tournaments don't matter anymore and from my point of view i haven't seen a local standard tournament that anyone cared about in like five years so i i don't know again anecdotal evidence and like maybe there is a bigger standard scene than I think there is, but it feels like standard papers are already dead. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I played like IQs when those were happening, but certainly once I was in uh, Washington state and we would go to mocks occasionally and yep. they had modern on Thursdays and Fridays. And then Friday, they also had standard F and M and always much smaller than modern always much smaller but like that's a product of like them having a big store in a good location good player base like 
fairly wealthy per capita compared to a lot of For other sure. areas. So like yep. could maybe afford to buy into modern versus something a little bit smaller. Um, but yeah, it was, it was always modern. It was like, if people were playing standard, you were like kind of shocked, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. There needs to be like some kind of lower cost onboarding thing. The more I think about it, the more pioneer makes sense as that thing, because you get longer usage out of your cards, non-rotating. I mean, you know, I've been playing a ton of flesh and blood lately. One of the big appeals of flesh and blood is that it's just a non-rotating game. And that brings a lot of challenges, but it's, it's really interesting too. And, and it really like incentivizes a new player investing and just being like, this is here. Like this is, this is my deck for a long period of time and it's cool. And I don't have to worry about rotations. It kind of feels like that's what paper is built for. Like paper isn't really built for rotations, quite frankly. Yeah. I think, I think the weird thing about doing it that way is that there were definitely instances of like you watching a pro tour and then you weren't an online player. So you would like build the deck in real life. Right. And yeah. if there's like an alchemy pro tour, uh, you could not then play that with your friends necessarily. Like obviously you can online technically, but it's not, it's not the same, you know? So, yeah. well, I mean, you could make that as a, a good reason to improve the social aspect and like actually make that a thing. But I, yeah, I think that they, they should have done that from the get probably, but yep. whatever. Uh, I'm, so I'm reading through the rest of this article and like, I had noted that when we we're watching the video, all the cards that they previewed were like uh, rares and mythics. And yeah, that's just the case. 63 of them, all all rares and mythics. And that's, right. that's yeah, a yeah. lot. Well, well yeah, it, it is. But it also means that when you open those packs, you only care about one card in every single pack you open. That's the case anyway. Uh, I mean, kind of for us, it is, but that not for like the broader player base, right? Like you need, you still need your own commons and commons. And when you are, uh, you know, a free to play player or a player on a very tight budget, it, it can matter which of those cards you open. Like it's, there are people out there who are certainly common, uncommon restricted. I find that hard to believe if you're just logging in and doing your dailies, you know, because you, you Maybe. just like, if you're doing that and using it to draft or whatever, then yeah. I find it hard to believe that you wouldn't just be like super flooded with common and uncommon wild cards. You know? it, yeah, it does seem that way. Although I built a deck. Oh, it's the deck you sent me. Your uh, green black food list you sent me the other day. And I went to build it and then I saw craft cards and I'm like, oh, I wonder how many rares it got me for. And it's like, you need six uncommons and two commons. Yeah, and you I was need like, sure. the squirrels in the colony the gardens squirrels. or whatever. Yep, yep, that was it. Yeah. Squirrel in colony garden. I was like, sure, take them. You can you can take those wild cards off me. It was, it was a rare experience for me. Okay, so the the packs with the alchemy cards are the exact same price as a, a normal pack that you would expect. And so yep. this is like the Crimson Vow edition, right? So you can either buy normal Vow packs or the alchemy packs. The alchemy packs will only have rares from alchemy. And once you have all of those, then they'll start giving you Crimson Vow rares. And what then, do you think about that? I, because it it happens not like like if it was just you had all the the stuff and then it gave you crimson vow stuff. That's kind of interesting. It's a little weird how it's broken down by like rare and mythic though. Well, no. So it's it's uh well yeah how it's broken down I don't know but um you only get alchemy rare or mythics until you have them all. In in case that was what I was not clear about. Okay. But if I have 
all of the alchemy rares and not all of the alchemy mythics, I can then mm. get I, Vow I, rares, I believe. Oh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't read the fine print. Okay. Mysteries. Uh, and, and then, we'll, we'll figure it out in seven days, right? Seven days until this goes live. Yeah. And the rest of the um, pack is on commons, on commons from Val. So once you have all the alchemy cards, it's basically a Crimson Val pack. But it, it makes sense that those would still exist in case like they're giving these as rewards for a battle pass or something. Yep. Uh, they also said that they were going to be giving people a healthy number of alchemy yeah. cards to get started. So, Not so healthy. Uh, okay, so celebrate the launch of Alchemy. When you log in after the update, you'll receive three Alchemy Innistrad packs and several rare or better individual card rewards. You get three packs, which is basically just like three rares, and then yep. several, I don't know how many several is, but regardless, I, I if they were- I thought I, read, I thought I read three rares and one mythic, but I might be mistaken. Okay, yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me. It's, it's like kind of a small amount, but it's better than nothing, and it's more than they usually do. And I think that that is trending in the right direction. That is a positive change. Agreed. But they also added 63 mythic and rares. I understand. To what is ostensibly standard. Now you have to multiply that by four if you need like play sets I of these understand. cards. 240 rares and mythics approximately. And, uh, you know, we already have historic anthologies that come out on a regular basis. And, uh, yeah, it's just I, I spend a lot of money on Arena. Yeah, trust me, man. I get it. Okay. I, I, I'm so, I, I hope you can tell how conflicted I am about all of this. Like, I am very excited to come back next week and talk about decks we're building in this format. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. And you know I love new formats, building new decks. Uh, I will happily relook at Standard when it's out from under the oppressive yoke of these cards, which have been the bane of my existence for a while now. That seems like a lot of fun to me. But the the weirdness and the economic factors and all of this keeps piling up. So where I, I just feel like I'm never fully excited about anything anymore. Like I can never just buy in entirely when I, I want to. I just want that experience where I'm like, yes, I'm so excited for this thing. And it feels like I'd never quite get it anymore. His Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's that's getting old, you know? Yeah, historic and modern are, are those two formats for me where, I don't know, they they just hit all the right notes for me. I like the, the format certainly have problems and they have problematic cards and whatever, but it they're both formats where there's answers and metagaming and churn. And uh, now there's more new relevant cards being injected into those formats than you might otherwise expect. And I like that. Obviously that's, you know, difficult on the wallet if you're trying to keep up in like real life modern, but yeah, the, those are the formats where I'm like, yeah, these are nice. And I'm sure if if they killed real life standard, I don't think that that's going to happen. But if they did and they started like printing standard sets, more focusing on historic or not historic, uh, Pioneer. Pioneer. And yeah, like if, if they focus on making that into a real format, I think that would be really fun too. I think so too. Interesting thought experiment. Uh, an interesting cast all around. I... Look forward to coming back next week and we'll see how I'm sitting. If I have elevated my excitement over a five and finally gotten to a, a net positive place uh, as far as excitement goes. Is, the next magic show, thing. show me a card that's not awful. No. Okay. I refuse. One last thing. 
And you don't necessarily have to say anything, but you should. I would really enjoy it if you did. Did anyone, this is me talking to the listeners, did anyone catch that uh, standard metagame breakdown for the Instrad set championship this weekend? Because uh, this is me saying, and I told you so for Brian, because Brian is too much of a gentleman to do it himself. Game. Good luck.